Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. So with this series of podcasts we're about to be putting out is directly off the group program that we are running. So essentially what happens is we help personal trainers who are looking for structure, self-development and business acumen, marketing, client management, so forth and so forth. And each week, the guys on the group submit um, questions through a check-in form and we that they want more elaboration on, they want a little bit more context on um, outside of the normal comms that goes on in the group. And we thought it would be good to record this for both them, uh, this stream straight into the group, but actually put it on a podcast as well for, them, for a bit more easier and accessible listening and Anybody who else who is struggling or wondering about the certain questions the guys are bringing up, there's a massive variety of questions in there um, that it could hopefully help people out there as well. So um, some episodes are longer than others. Generally, it lasts around 20 to 40 minutes. Um, And yeah, hope you get a lot out of this if you're listening. If you have any additional questions you want us to answer and put, put into the podcast, um, please submit them through the show notes. There's an email there. You can pop a pop a question in. Uh, and yeah, hope you enjoy, guys. On some of the comments and feedback. Um, okay, how can I... There's top two with a kind of very similar... How can I send automated emails from Google Forms after someone fills in a pre-register form or application? If you can't, what would you suggest is the next best thing to keep it smooth? Um, Google Forms, if you've got a Gmail, um, you can go to the add-on section. So on that form, over to if you go to the top, we go to settings, there's a little add-on section. You can add loads of different um apps and plugins onto that um but if you've got like a domain email which is probably the biggest thing you're going to come up against or not a gmail i'd probably suggest using something like job form woofoo or type form so just migrate the the template over to that how do i link a weber oh, i think that's alistair yeah we i think he's figured that out Okay. Yeah, for real. In your opinion, what's the best services PTs can do to their clients for their clients just now? Good question. Um, who's going? Who are you? You go. Um, I shared one. I think that that I think is incredibly important this morning on my Instagram. Um. And I think you've created this for the person who's asked the question um, in the group that you've created, the habit group. Um, I think it's really important for people to have a sense of community in the minute to help keep them motivated. Um, and it doesn't have to be all about fitness and nutrition and calories and steps and all of that type of stuff. Like I would bring in other themes to this um, and I would bring a level of autonomy into that as well by asking the clients um, what they want to do, whether that's, I know it might cringe us out slightly because we smashed them in the first lockdown, but 
quizzes, it might be events, it might be a charity thing that you all come together on. I think it's really important. Like, I think what a lot of personal trainers are trying to do is switch on solutions like left, right and centre. And actually, if we just look inside our business and bring them together as a team, that's going to feel amazing for people who haven't got a lot to look forward to in their day and their week right now and their, and their days are really repetitive. So if we can put something in there that's new, different, exciting for them, they feel part of it, they feel part of a team, I think that's huge right now. So I would be, yeah, if I had a collective amount of clients, like I would be concentrating on building a, a virtual community within my team um, as much as we possibly can. It might be that, God, like I was... I don't mean to fucking sound blow my own trumpet on this, but I I used to do a lot of charity events. Like I'm talking one every other month when I was a PT and when I managed gyms and stuff like that and I had my own gym and that. But that used to really bring a community together. So yeah, I would be doing stuff like that. And I think then on a personal perspective to improve the, my clients, uh, the the service for my clients, I would look at. I would look at small things that I would do to improve the client experience um, as much as I possibly can. And it depends on the volume of people that you want to affect. But like, I, I honestly, I would look at the, the real small things that you look at, you go into other industries like the hospitality industry and stuff like that. And, and you go to hotels and you'll get certain things now and again, or certain types of customer service that you get that you just don't get in the fitness industry that takes you back a little bit and goes, Oh, Jesus Christ, that was really good service. So I would start to list down probably a few things that you could potentially do for your clients. That's really going to think, wow, like that's, that's unbelievable. And I think it's that type of stuff right now that's going to really count and matter over the more, like I said before, the more driven based stuff that we're so renowned for, which is, calories, steps, performance-based goals, all of that type of stuff. But that's, yeah, that's my opinion anyway. Anything you'd add to that, Nick? Dealing with clients who always put a barrier to their own solutions. Good question. Um, I think, I think this is probably coming from um, trying to get them Obviously, you're doing the right thing and probably getting them to reflect on what they could do to, to help that barrier. But I think that's where they might be telling you what you want to hear. That's the first thing. And I, again, I would reflect back on that. So it's, going, it's building on it and almost taking away that kind of obvious choice and maybe really focusing on a single first step forward instead of the bigger, bigger picture. Um, that's without context. That's probably what I'd suggest first. So reflect back. Okay, so you know. Okay, so this is an obvious thing for you to start to um, help you overcome that barrier. What would be the very next step? The simple next step you can focus on to help you progress towards that point. And again, you're reframing it a little bit, um, paraphrasing it back, getting them to critically think and, and getting them to come up with a very easy, convenient um, first step to help them move towards that goal. So again, if, if that answer is quite quick, is it, if it's quite blunt, if it's, um, then that's something they kind of tell themselves all the time and that they know. So again, I think, 
maybe even offering some solutions or some suggestions at that point might really help that scenario moving forward. Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is just have a, in my opinion anyway, I'm, it just, for me, if I'm coming up against constant barriers, I would have a better bank of questions. So I would plan my conversations better for these people and have a better bank of questions that I can openly ask them different questions. And I would make sure I'm completely present in that conversation, completely reflective with what they're saying. Because what you'll find is if you plan that conversation um, and have a real open mind of not necessarily going in there with what you want to get out of it, um, the conversations that you have will start to probably loosen off towards them accepting that level of change talk instead of sustained talk. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing that I would add. Next one is where is the best, where is best to learn human behavior and about human behaviors and habits? Okay, I've got a list here. Um, books wise, you, we've shared the motivational interviewing one. Um, Atomic Habits um, is a great readable book. Um, that one's actually. Um, I'll just add the one that comes off the top of my head whilst Nick's getting his book collection out. Um, look up a guy called Gary Mendoza. Yeah. Um, Gary Mendoza deals with all like human behavior change, motivational interview and stuff like that. And he does really good, really good courses that are, aren't, aren't that costly to be fair as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd look up him if I was you. And then... Uh, <clears throat> The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, that one. Topic Habits by James Clear. In fact, those two will probably be a great starting point. I'll leave you It'd be two. really controversial. I think what? that book might be overrated, man. What? The whole fitness industry adore that book, don't they? I think it's slightly overrated. That so, one? That's only my opinion, by the way. I'll probably be hated and hunted down for that because the fitness industry. Yeah. No, I think it's just. I think if you're starting out, and you're trying to you're trying to yeah. put things in simple terms, and learn the processes. It's great, but you've you've read that after what after doing what? Yeah, what a few different courses, but I. It's same as behavior changes. It you don't recognize people are in pre-contemplation, contemplation. They don't go in that format of pre-contemplation, contemplation, action, maintenance, terminate action. People don't go through that. And that similar to like in them stages, people might go and start to dip in and out of certain stages at different times. And do you know what I mean? So when it's, when you're looking at habit change, like cue, craving, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll just, I went and it's read it. It's different things, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. But it's not as simple as the stages, I don't think. But don't no. let that put you off reading it. Don't let that put you off reading it. I'm probably the only person in the fitness industry that thinks that it's overrated. Um, anyway, away from the controversial shit. Oh, this is a long question. Um, do you think the use of an app like MyPT Hub or TrueCopes helps with client adherence in terms of them recording their workouts and progress? 
in terms of an app being prettier to look at than a table on Google Sheets? If so, what app would you recommend? Played about with my PTO before, but found the program builder to be clunky. Okay, first of all, uh, apps, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Before the before the pandemic, I would have said app even more so. Now that we've gone through this, and people are looking for more solutions online, quicker access. Um, easier to understand, user friendly. Um, yeah, it meets a lot of competence gaps for 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 clients. Obviously, it, it's it's slightly different. Maybe if you were, I mean, you got to look at the market you're working with as well. Like probably someone who has a, a high training age could just deal with simple programming written down um, on a on an Excel sheet or whatnot because their competence level is there to understand what all this kind of jargon means and how it is. But for the vast majority of the demographic you'll probably be working with initially, I would say it's probably more so going to be general pop who, who the training age is very low. Um, and so having something which is in your hands, you tap on, gives you accountability, gives you videos, explanations, give you check-ins, everything in one place, it's going to improve adherence hundred percent without a doubt. Um, what would, which one would you recommend? We've always had a, for, we've always had a preference towards my PT hub from that being a really good all rounder. Now, again, we're not just talking about programming. We're talking about creating different, um, having the ability to create different, um, subscriptions, whether it's one-to-one -one group, um, semi-private, low barrier entry, just selling programs, selling up, you know, you can create loads of different subscriptions. There's an instant messenger on there, payments, scheduling, programming, nutrition. Uh, so it's a very good all-rounder to run your whole business through or a large part of your business where programming side, I've never used True Coach. Uh, for a long period of time I know Ant has but um, a lot of people prefer that from a programming perspective so then you got to think about you know write down what what you would want from from an app in, not just programming think a little bit bigger than that um, and you know if you're using like 15 20 different apps to run your business well can how can you consolidate to maybe save your time or if it works happy days so that's what i'd say on that the only thing that i would add to that is that your adherence will only improve with software like that if your communication of the software is clear to clients because otherwise they'll you'll get clients where it's just a complete disconnect they won't update it um, they won't use it they won't see it and value it. So if you ever put your price up and that's one of the contributing factors to putting your price up, for example, they won't value it unless you've really communicated it well. So in my opinion, it, it won't improve adherence unless your communication is really clear of how it works, why it's there and the context behind it and all of that type of stuff. That's the only thing that I'd add on and say. Um, next question. How do you deal with dis discouragement working hard on your business, not seeing results you anticipated? It's a really good question, isn't it? Um, 
Okay. I think normally, and I'm going to generalize with this because I don't struggle with it anymore. And I don't mean to sound like a, like I'm being arrogant with that. I don't. Um, and when I look back to when I potentially did struggle with it, it was because my expectations were a bit um, warped in regards to my inputs versus what I was expecting out of it. So first of all, I would say that if that is you right now, just manage your expectations. Like what's your plan? Um, what's the strategy to get towards to where you want to be? And then what are your expectations off the back of it? And like, if there's a disconnect there, that's probably why you're getting a bit, you're feeling a bit down for not getting the return that you expect. So constantly be self-reflective, constantly be self-aware of the work you're putting in versus them expectations, because I feel that's one of the biggest contributing factors for, for maybe you feeling a little bit down with it. I think going back to what one of the things that Nick said before as well is go, think about what you would tell your clients in this scenario, like embrace the process, like try your best to try and embrace and enjoy the process and learn along the way. Um, and you'll do that if you become a little bit more self-reflective and self-aware. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say. Um, because as soon as you start to embrace the process and enjoy it, you start to enjoy the hard work. I reckon. So if you're doing long days and it's feeling like a bit of a grind, you're like, right, well, actually I didn't get a few leads that I expected, right? Well, tomorrow I'm going to change it up or next week I'm going to change it up. And, um, and you'll just start to embrace and enjoy that kind of that graft from it. That's my view on it. I don't know what Nick's would be any different. No, it'd be very similar. Um, I think also, I think 100% you gotta, you got to trust the process along the way. But then from experience, there's always largely when I'm starting new things or I'm doing new things, there's always an inkling or a niggling at me that I could do this thing that I know would get me a little bit further towards where I want to be. Um, and that's usually not within where you feel comfortable. It's usually something you haven't done before. Um, so, so yeah, I just recognize that and maybe reach out for support with that, um, or bite the bullet and go head first in. Yeah, I just definitely reach out for support by the way, because when you do, you'll realize that other people are feeling the same. It's just finding your way of accepting it slightly. And I, this is to everyone, this is not to the person who asked this, is when we do start something new, and Nick just triggered me to say this, but when we do start something new, or we've got a new product or a new part of our service, it's exciting, isn't it? So you want to get it out there. And the, the end of it, the reward is that I'm going to have more of these leads, therefore more clients, therefore more revenue, therefore more impact and all of that. But where I feel like a lot of personal trainers go wrong is that and I, I said this to someone on the one-to-one -one coaching yesterday is that middle bit. And it's like, it's a bit of, it becomes a little bit messy where sometimes we don't, it, when we look back at the end and go, actually, I could have been more consistent. I could have put more into that. Um, and I potentially was 
wasn't asking enough for myself in that in that middle stage because the middle stage is a little bit boring isn't it if you plan a four-week marketing campaign for example it's exciting at the start it's exciting at the end but actually the middle bit is like oh i need to stay consistent it's a bit boring if you haven't planned it well so all i would say is you just make sure with whatever your expectations are you're meeting them on a consistent basis um yeah and making sure you can take control of that messy middle bit if it is a long campaign or whatever it is that you're doing um yeah how to create an email list and what should I be looking to gain from this? I'll let you answer that question. Um, how do you start? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something obvious here. Um, I think you've got to recognise, first of all, and establish what you enjoy and what you're good at, first of all. I think an email list is I've, i think we spoke about this in marketing i think it's incredibly important to gather that data um what you do with that data in regards to how often you send emails and obviously what the content is will depend on your skill set and your personality largely now skill set you can always get better at and practice at um i mean your aim, in my opinion, an aim of an email list is to gather your, your own data. So that is, it's not Facebook, it's not Instagrams. That's your forever data there that you can, as long as people are staying opted in, that you can use to obviously um, refocus and consistently market to and build that kind of uh, ecosystem of leads around you outside of social media, which is obviously always useful. Um, and it will also future-proof your business. Um, so that's what I would say in regards to the aim of it. I mean, the aim depends on, don't you like to use the word depends. Email marketing can be incredibly successful. Um, the one thing I would say is that, you know, typically the industry sending emails to clients is usually come in the form of a newsletter you know what i mean like i'll do a weekly newsletter or a monthly newsletter um but i think like there's a as a bigger skill to master in regards to um kind of storytelling uh copywriting um putting your point across and having that having that kind of understanding of what message you want to put through through emails to people which will ultimately lead you to the kind of objective behind it, I guess. Um, but how to create, every time you do have an inquiry, you, you're, you're gathering emails, well, I'm, I'm assuming you are. So, um, so there's that side of things. But then if you're doing it directly for a mailing list, you've got to, you've got to have, or, or let put this in different terms, the person sign. If I'm signing up for an email list, it's got to be it's got to be worth it because I I've just deleted 15 emails that I've never wrote. You know, I never open. I get a daily, and so they've got to have. You've got to create the need and the desire for it, and people have got to get something useful from it, or, or entertaining from it. That's my thought process behind that. Yeah, uh, it's a difficult one to not share a biased view on it. I think. It's very rare I see anyone in the fitness industry emailing well. Um, by well, I mean consistently talking to their audience, 
um, as much as possible and being a mix of entertaining and educating as well. Um, so what I would say is, is that is your passion and is something that you enjoy sitting down and writing and planning um, copy uh, to directly speak to your audience? If it is, then crack on. If it isn't, um, then I, I probably would invest minimal time into it. Probably maybe just oh. go route that Nick's just said, like a one weekly newsletter or something like that to stay in the loop with people that pushes people more towards your social media if they're going to be more active on there. But you have to find a passion with it, in my opinion. I think a lot of people within our industry have seen the likes of James Smith do well with it, Darren do well with it, Paul Mart do well with it. And them two did well off the back of Paul Mart. So then we've got mini clones of them, which is fine, by the way, if you're really passionate about it, but don't do it just because you see other people have been from it. It's not you. I think there's, I think there's some, I think there's another way you can kind of look at it as well. Like, and again, just going back like years when I was in Australia and I started a really bad, terrible blog. Um, you know, I just wrote about, I just literally started working in Sydney, started in this, like this incredible, like bespoke boutique kind of PT gym that turned into a CrossFit gym. And I just kind of started putting out workouts and that was only off from the influence of um, CrossFit back then being very blogger. It was everyone ran blogs rather than websites. And that's, I just started to write workouts and put like uh, my kind of commentary on workouts and stuff like that. And that's that. And what the reason why I'm saying this is that my passion there turned into could have easily turned into then just doing daily emails or weekly emails based on what I was experiencing, based on the thought process behind the programming. And that's very, very, very niche. But if you're writing, if you go back to the marketing seminars that we did, uh, webinars that we did, you know, that creating that content, both in, you know, if you're writing a webinar, a nutrition webinar filming it delivering it filming it re cutting it up repurposing it write an article based on that and again chop it up pop it in emails give a link to learn more do you know what i mean so think organically doing like that might really really help with creating creating the content behind that so so yeah just picking up right Thoughts on workouts when building up your IG? Is there, oh, sorry, thoughts on live workouts when building up your Instagram? Is there value in doing them? Or would you say hold back with them and go in on grid content stories, other lives instead? I think, first of all, anything to create awareness. Um, anything to create awareness, it needs to align. So your IG lives need to align with your peak times of when people are on your page. Um, and when people open your posts the most, in my opinion, a lot of PTs get that wrong. They just throw them in when it's convenient for them, which is fine from a scheduling point of view, but they don't land and have the same impact um, unless you probably measure up of when the majority of your audience come on your page. Um, so I think, yes, 100% do them. Um, it might feel like a really slow process at the start and there might be only a few people on there, but that's how everybody starts. Um, especially if you've been used to, for example, doing it in front of more than that 
I'm talking to this person on your own page or for example, on the pure gym stuff that you're doing. Um, so yes, I would keep on at them um, as much as you possibly can. There's lots of good savvy stuff that you can do with lives, whether it's by a workout or whether it's trying to tap into people who might have a bigger audience than you and do certain lives. You might do a session with them, for example, and they might have a similar demographic to you. You might do a live Q&A with them. And it just starts to give you a bit more of a relevant reach into different people's audiences. So you can be really smart with it as well. So yeah, 100%, I would say carry on doing it and embrace the initial slog with it when you're a new personal training business. Anything you'd add? The only thing I'd add to that is the workouts. You know that. No, I'm not going to go into it. The workouts should match in market you're trying to attract um, and the exercises, etc. So, but you know that. Anyway. Yeah, that, that, the demographic point is huge, isn't it? So, like, yeah. making sure that the workout is triggering the demographic, something that they absolutely need. Um, yeah, I think that's a shout. Next one. When should you increase the price of your service over a certain period of time or when you have changed or updated or added more value to the service? Added more value to the service. Gosh. If someone seems keen, would you ever let the pre-consult flow straight into the consult to get them signed up? I'm assuming meaning taking away that phone call i think it's more so that for example if we were on a pre-consult call now and i got a really good vibe that you would turn around going listen i really want to need this would you take them into the consult there and then oh yeah i think you got to feel that out i think But then there's a, yes, I would, I would. If the conversation is flowing, then don't stop it. Um, if you're getting really good interaction, uh, if you're getting a really good kind of rapport bit with that person, the connections there, the communication's flowing. Yeah, okay. I would. Um, um, I think we've only got one more question. Can't think of one for sure for Q&A. No questions for this week. Um, my head is so full right now. I can't seem to think of one. Sorry. However, I just wanted to say can't thank you both enough for the first two weeks of the group programme. We're getting some love there. Um, ah, last question. Last question. What <clears throat> are good motivational questions that allow you to dig deep when in your consultation call with a client signing up? Um, I think we went through them all last night, but um, it's always reflective responses. Is there's not one question? Um, I think when you, it's always the response. It's always the reflective responses you get. You you give back off how that person's answered. So obviously you would probably, you would start to frame it as, you know, what's your number one, what's your number one goal? What are you looking to achieve? What do you need support with? From that, you know, the, the, the answer will probably start with being quite short, quite quick in response. Um, and I think the way that you reflect uh, that response back to them, you know, 
why we went through last night, like paraphrasing, uh, emphasizing certain descriptive words, um, and then leading them to think about it in a different light and getting them to kind of think about it outside of their outside of their kind of confinement of that goal. So, okay, so you want to lose weight. So what I'm hearing from you is that you'd like to lose weight because you feel sluggish at the moment and um, your energy is low. What do you think, how do you think that affects you um, in certain, or what scenario does that affect you in the most, do you feel? Is it when you're with family at work, um, working out? And, and what you're doing there, reflect a response and, reframing it to get him to think about it's not just the weight loss it's how they're feeling it's and then you can start to emotionally anchor that a little bit more um <clears throat> so i would always structure it as kind of five to seven whys asking without confrontation reflectively responding respond when you respond paraphrase so they understand um use their name uh for the connection um and also use leading questions um take away closed questions completely or 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 for a large amount of time when you're in that conversation and don't try and problem solve the only thing that i'd add to that is look up the bridge model look up the bridge model um to everyone listening back and for the person who asked this because i think that gives you for me, it gives you a framework. It gives you the better bank of questions that I've seen. It reduces you to asking three or four questions, which keeps it 20% you, 80% them. Um, so yeah, that's my favorable model. Um, and you would just pick out three or four questions from that to take them from where they want to go to, uh, from where they are now to where they want to go and their solutions and things that they need to put in place to get there. So yeah, that's the only thing I'd add to that. And that, my friends, is the end of week three Q&A. Week three Q&A. Yeah, week three Q&A. Um, so that's that. Happy days. Hopefully you're all okay after last night, going through the consultation and a little bit of motivational interviewing. And then our Reddit for prescribing to the need on Thursday night. And that, my friends, is all, unless Nick wants to leave us with a final thought. I need coffee. Okay. Right. Well, uh, see you all soon. See you guys. Put that on your grave when you die. I need coffee. Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs>